Good morning. Welcome to the vineyard. Welcome to those of you joining us online. And if you're a first-time visitor here, uh, yes, that, that little thing, that's called a QR code. Years ago, they came out with those things, and it was supposed to revolutionize the way everybody did all sorts of things. But you had to have a special app that you downloaded for it, and nobody ever did it. But now, your smartphones, if you point your camera at one of those... It automatically pops up. And what that is, just this is for first-time folks, um, if you will point your phone at that, if you're a first-time visitor, a little form you have to tap on will pop up. And it will give us, uh, it asks for your name and your email address and your um, phone number. And let me tell you what we'll do with that. You will not go on a forever mailing list, I promise. What will happen is over the next few weeks, you'll get a couple of emails and a couple of texts. And uh, we're just trying to do better at connecting. You know, we were really good at connecting, and then COVID happened, and then we, we weren't as good, but we've got some stuff going on. You were probably greeted when you came in, guest services, but not everybody does this. And, you know, I can't make you, but if you would, please do. First time guest. And if you didn't get your first, I'm a first time guest gift, um, you can go back to guest services when we're done and ask for that. And we have a nice little gift for you. So, uh, so please do that. And that's how that works. And that's what we're, you're going to be seeing that every week. Um, so we can get everybody in there and get them used to it. Cool. We are now popping into our series called, are you ready? And uh, if, if, this, if you're one of those first-time people, you're going to see that I've been on this particular subject now for 14 weeks. And I can't do an intro long enough to cover everything, because then there's no time to preach. So let me tell you that, that uh, I'll summarize it as quickly as I can. It's a series about hope. It all started because the Apostle Peter said, we need to be ready, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. And we spent a lot of time then talking about hope Because I unfortunately think that um, our hope is way better than we understand a lot of times as believers. There's life after life after death. And that some people have this picture of the end being floating off to heaven on a cloud playing a harp. And that isn't it. When you read Revelation 21, you see that Jerusalem comes down out of heaven. It's a picture of heaven and earth coming back together. The earth is renewed, restored. We get... Resurrected bodies, new physical bodies that, that are, are meant to dwell here um, with God. And then we're going to move into what was supposed to happen um, when everything started up before the fall. And so we have this amazing journey and adventure that we're on. It's so much better than people have thought. And, and so um, my hope in this series of hope is that what happens is when you connect with the amazing story that you're in in Jesus... And then you begin to look for the reasons that we have. You look back through the cross and the resurrection, and the entire Bible opens up to you. And you begin to see how awesome God is and how much he loves us and how things are supposed to go. That it keeps us from getting sort of sidetracked and and bogged down and caught up. Um, yeah, how many you, let me, I'm going to be careful I say this without making you agree with me. I would say, it's my opinion... That the world is crazy right now. Everything I said is, is upside down and we're supposed to live right side up in an upside down world. We talked about that beatitude. I'm going to do a whole series on that in the future. And, and if you, if you, five minutes are in front of a, a news thing, you, you can get completely overwhelmed with all these things happening and nobody likes anybody anymore and people that should be allies hate one another and, and there's all this mess and division and, and it's just, it's horrific and you, five minutes and you're like, it's all, I'm doomed and, and uh, it makes Eeyores out of all of us. 
But as believers, we have this amazing hope and we're part of a we're part of a story that's so much bigger and better than the one that goes on around us that we need to get a hold of that. And then it causes us to live differently. And as we live differently, it has an impact on the world around us for him, which is what we want to have happen. And one, we have one enemy, one big one, who doesn't want any of that to happen. And so we live in this whole idea and this tension. And so we, we've been talking about a lot of different themes in this series. But the last few weeks, in particular, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And let me say again, when I say kingdom of God, I'm not talking about a place uh, of heaven. People read kingdom of God in the scripture and they're always talking about heaven. He's not. We've looked at why that's not. It's about God being king. It's about the rule and reign of God. That's what the kingdom of God is. Seek first his kingdom. Are we seeking a place? No, we're seeking his rule and reign. Uh, This goes on and on. And so Jesus comes with the announcement that the kingdom is here. So Jesus comes and he inaugurates the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God again on earth. He'll consummate it when he returns. And we live in this tension between the now and the not yet. And it's changed everything. But we need to see how the whole story fits together and our place in it and sort of some of the things that we struggle with on this journey. And we were in Colossians 3 last week. And we talked about what it meant to be image bearers, and we're going to touch on that some more. That's a big deal. Um, what Paul sort of set apart is the opposite of that, which was idolatry. And we looked at that sort of the big issue, that instead of reflecting God into the world, we, we reflect these evil forces back into the world, and, and greed and fear and all the things that tie with it. We looked at those things, and, and that's idolatry. And how um, we were supposed to be from the beginning, our vocation was really to be a royal priesthood. We were going to partner with God and make the whole planet different because it was perfect in Eden. The creation was good, but Eden was perfect. And we were going to partner with God and go out of there and make the whole planet like Eden. That was our original vocation. We were to, as the royal priesthood, we were going to reflect God's love and light into the world. Get a hold of that. That's what we would do. That's what humanity was. We were the image of God. We were going to reflect God into the world, his love, his light into the world. At the fall, that gets shut down because we go in a different direction. And, and instead then of reflecting the love and light of God into the world, what's been reflected is, is you know, death and fear into the world that the enemy has done. And, and if you want to see the fallout from that, read the Old Testament. I always say that. People always say, why is the Old Testament hard? Yeah, because humanity, as God created it, stopped doing what we were created to do, which was reflect the love and light of God into the world. So it wasn't happening. And you see the result. Until when? Until Jesus comes. What's he do? He's the light of the world. See? And, and he's come to make a difference. And when he defeats death and sin at the cross and the resurrection, he's the first of new creation. And he restores us back to our vocation where we now once again can reflect God into the world, image him into the world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And Colossians 3 is all about that. We're growing in knowledge in the image of our creator. That's what we're to do. We're no longer to be idolaters reflecting the the evil stuff that goes on. We're to reflect God in this journey. And so that's what we're up to. And I want to talk more about the kingdom of God today and over the next few weeks. We're going to do that by looking at the parables. And my hope would be that that our discussions would help the parables to come alive for you. Because the parables are pretty fascinating. And uh, so we're going to dig into that. Okay. That was the intro. It's still pretty long. You should see if I go into the whole thing. My wife's like, don't do it. These are the bad jokes. 
I read about a woman who tried to buy a snake online. And when the package arrived, it only contained feather scarves. It looks like the boa cons tricked her. You may need to explain that to somebody. Oh, guess who I bumped into on my way to get my eyeglasses fixed? Everybody. In comparison to the first one is what I'm assuming. Thank you. I know a guy who keeps stealing iPhones. At some point, he's going to face time. Alice, please come provide for me an exodus from this situation. Hey, did you talk about the truck? You didn't this service talk about the truck. Oh, I didn't mention the no. truck. Mention the truck. Hopefully on the way in you saw this, the huge, that's outreach. If you don't know about, we do outreach, right? And that's, that truck replaces our ice cream truck and our coffee wagon. And we'll go all over this community and we just give stuff away. We never charge for any of it. We're going to, you're, it's going to, I can hardly wait. That's all I've got to say. And it's very pretty. And he would like you all to know that he designed the wrap around it. The, the Bay of Honda Bridge, or is it the Seven Mile Bridge? It's the Bay of Honda Bridge. With the gap in the middle, and the gap is? Well, the, the gap is left there on purpose, so you can talk about how Jesus fills that gap between. That's pretty there cool. There you go. There you go. But if they don't like it, I had nothing to do with the design of that. There route. you go. There's that, too. You can blame it on Pastor Fran. All right, let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word? Come again, Daddy. Just come again. Continue to get us ready, Lord. We thank you that you are always coming after us with your goodness, Lord. You're always chasing after our hearts. I pray today that no one here would leave without knowing how much they're loved by you. Father, how you care about every hair on their head, every detail in their lives. Renew us today. Remind us of your goodness and your love and give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of Mark. This is chapter 4, verses 1 through 19, and it is the parable of the sower. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teachings said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, it sprang up, I'm sorry, quickly because the soil. The soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear... Let him hear. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Y'all can be seated.
So Jesus teaches in parables. And uh, oftentimes people uh, will ask, well, why? why? It seems like they seem a little difficult to understand. Why didn't he just say this or say that? There's reasons behind it. But parables, the, the best answer I have for parables, parables are stories that reveal the kingdom of God. That's what's going on. And, and they're, Jesus taught that way on purpose so that as you understand about the kingdom, everything begins to open up to you. As you take it in, it begins to open up. But if you sort of refuse to understand what God is doing, that God is doing a new thing, that I've told you many times that the kingdom just doesn't look like what people expect. You're going to miss it altogether. And uh, if you remember the story from a couple of weeks ago, we were in the book of Luke. And Jesus comes into the synagogue and he opens the scroll and he reads from Isaiah the prophet. And he says, you know, here we go. Uh, all these things are going to happen. These cool things. It's the year of the Lord's favor. It's Jubilee. And, and people are going to get set free and healed. And the, the, the synagogue's pretty happy about that. And then he stops and he rolls up the scroll right before he reads the day of the Lord's vengeance. And they, the synagogue turns on him. All the people in the synagogue were furious when he heard this. When, they heard, when, he, when he doesn't do what they think he's going to do, they want to kill Jesus. And see, this is a big deal. And, and we need to understand. What happens is that the kingdom was there in, in their midst. The king, the rule and reign of God in Jesus was there. But because it wasn't what they wanted, they decided they didn't want any part of it. And we have to be careful or because if we don't allow uh, God to be God. If we keep thinking that we can control him or have it our way, we're going to miss him altogether in what he's doing. And that's at the heart of the parables. There's something going on that you need to be willing to let go of your preconceived ideas of what you think should happen and, and start looking for what he's doing instead. And the people at the time refused. They got up, drove him, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill under which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. If you're not going to do what we want, we're going to kill you. And, and I think sometimes we, we think it's the same way. Well, if God's not going to do what I want, then I don't need him. And we kind of t- toss Jesus off a cliff. And, and this is part of the situation that we need to be careful with and be aware of. So things are changing and it's different than what we often expect. What were they waiting for when Jesus came? Why would they not want to do it? Well, because he starts talking about rescue. They like that part. But then he says the rescues for everybody. And he talks about healing someone outside of uh, the Jewish uh, group. Right. And then another one. And they, this is why they're so mad. What they want is vengeance. What they've been waiting for is these nations that have oppressed them for so long to be destroyed. That's what they're looking for. And they've been thinking for for a long time that when Messiah came, that's what would happen. And they're right in the right time period. They know that from the book of Daniel. It's about 490 years from the exile. And a, and a Messiah is supposed to come. And what they believe would happen is that this Messiah will come and he's going to overthrow Rome. He's going to wipe them out. And they'll be restored back to the days of David and the kingdom of Israel and what that looks like. And that's all they want. And you can see that reflected in the disciples and everything. They want that and they want it now. And when Jesus doesn't do that, they go, well, then you can't be what we're looking for. And they want to toss him off a cliff. Fortunately, they can't. But that's the issue that they go into. And, and so we have to approach Scripture with this understanding. Um, and, and I think most of you figured that out, this, this part out that I'm about to say. Um, have you noticed that God doesn't always do things the way you think he ought to? 
Have you got there? If not, we'll have some extra prayer. <laughs> because you'll get frustrated if you don't. He, he just doesn't do things the way that we think he ought to. Because we're a mess still. We're, we unfortunately are tied up with a lot of cultural stuff and with a lot of performance issues. And we, we have to, it takes us a long time to get past the, well, if I do these things, if I follow these rules, then God's got to do this. And, and, and we miss what he's doing all the time. And that's what was going on. And, and so we, we think it should happen now. And we also think that anybody who's messed with stuff, that, that the best way to deal with them is just to get rid of them. And, and so when, when Jesus said that's not what it looks like, Jesus actually comes. And what he's telling the people of Israel is because they couldn't sort of live up to their end of the deal. Remember, God made a promise to Abraham that through him all nations would be blessed. Through through Israel. And Israel doesn't hold up to their end of the deal. So Jesus comes as perfect Israel, if you would. He's going to hold up that end of the deal. And, and now all nations through him will be blessed the way they were supposed to. And you now as the people of God. I said that last week. Hang on to that one thing. Through you now, all nations will be blessed. That's our deal. As imagers, that's what we do. We're reflecting the love and the light of God into the world so that all nations can be blessed. So that there's a way for everyone to come to know Jesus, to be in relationship with God. That's what we're called to be. And if we're not careful, though, we'll decide that we don't like a certain group of people or a whole bunch of groups of people. And what we want is God just to deal with them. And what what he wants us to do is love them so that they can come into relationship with him as well. See, that's at the heart of the kingdom. That's the, at the heart of God. That's how God cares. God's a gracious God. Uh, and And he wants us, like his kids, to be the same way. And so we have to understand this is how he's moving and that's what he wants to do. We have to realize that because humanity stopped being what it was intended to be at the fall, the world, the the darkness in the world just overcame it all and people are blinded by it. And so they're not the enemy. If someone's not a believer yet, they are not our enemy, not any stretch of the imagination. They're just people that have been blinded who need to be uh, able to see the truth so that they can come and be set free like we were. And that needs to be our heart. That's our mission. And that's a big deal, especially in times like uh, we live in now. And, and we also are, are I, I, can't, I always want to do big group things. Uh, maybe you're not, but um, some, like me, get frustrated when everything doesn't happen right now. Anybody else? Aren't we like that? We want it, we want it pretty quick. We don't really want to wait with, we should be like this. Hey, kingdom, if the kingdom is here, why isn't everything, why, we are here, why isn't it just like this? And what Jesus is saying, that's not how the kingdom looks. This, this, this darkness that we invited in, the power of death and sin because of our movement away from God, uh, has, has taken a long time to get to where it's at, and it's, it's gonna take a while now that light is back into the world and we're reflecting it to overcome the darkness. Have you ever watched a, a candlelight service? Uh, have you ever been in a room where they make it really dark and they start with one candle, and, and so it starts to have an impact on the darkness, and then as the light spread, it has a bigger and bigger impact, but the dark is still hanging around, but now it's changing it. That's what the kingdom is like, and that's what's happening in these parables. That's the language that you're going to see all the time. The kingdom is here. It's not what you expected, but it's here, and through you, you're going to be restored to your vocation. This is always what God wanted. He's going to partner with us, and then through us, things are going to begin to change until he comes back. But it's it's a process. It takes time. Well, those are the things that are happening. And so when he talks about the parable of the sower, what's going on is that God is sowing the kingdom. 
in Jesus. He's sowing the kingdom. The kingdom is here, not fully here, but his rule and reign is back. And he's busy setting things right. We've been looking at those stories because that's what Jesus says when people say, are you at this time? Are you at this time? Is it real? Are you the one? And he's saying, look, people are being healed. People are being set free. People are being changed. I'm setting things right. That's how you know that the kingdom is here. It's a new beginning. It's, it's, it's the new creation. It's, a, it's the return from exile that they've been waiting for. It just looked different than what they expected. But the prophets have been pointing to this. And I've had you a lot in the book of Isaiah in this series. And continue. Please read chapters 40 through 55 and then read 60 and on. And, and there's so many things about new creation. But the parable ties back into Isaiah. And begins to open up. And it starts with the Lord saying, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. Remember we just talked about that, right? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seeds for the sower, that's interesting, and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and his will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. That is new creation language. We talked about that after the exile. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. It's a reverse of the curse of the fall. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. And so this parable is pulling back to stories that they would know, and it's beginning to bring in this idea of the return from exile and new creation that we find in Isaiah. Also remember, we've looked at that passage once before in this series as we were looking at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, one of my favorites, I say that about all the Bible, but but you know how it starts, right? It brings in creation, everything. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things are made that have been made, and it goes on and on, right? And then in John 1.14, says that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, or tabernacled among us, pitched His tent among us. It's this picture of heaven and earth coming back together in Jesus, the Word. The, the Word became flesh. We jumped into Genesis, remember, and I said, all, all, everybody's there in the creation. You've got the Spirit hovering over the waters, and God speaks the Word. That's, that's Father, Son, Holy Spirit all at work. And we see these pictures throughout the New Testament happening once again. And here we have the Word. And so in Isaiah, when it talks about the Word won't return void, the Word is coming. Jesus is here. The Word, the Kingdom of God, all of these things are synonymous. It's, it's happening with Jesus. He inaugurates the Kingdom. The Kingdom is coming, and, and God is sowing the Kingdom. Uh, and then he goes on to explain the parable to his disciples, which is helpful to them. He said, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Start making the connections. Here's what's happening. The kingdom is being sown. Some people are like seed along a path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So some people, uh, you know, they don't, they're just blinded by the enemy and they, it never begins to even take, and they just kind of dismiss the whole deal. That, that's very cultural now. We get dismissed often. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, they hear the 
word, and at once receive it with joy. That sounds pretty good. Uh, but since they have no root, it only lasts a short time. When they realize, you know, it's not, it's not this thing that's going to just fix my world and I can do whatever I want. Well, then I don't care about that. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And still others, like seed uh, sown among the thorns, they hear it. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things, that's what we talked about last week, idolatry comes and choke the word, making it unfruitful. They hear it, but they, they never sort of go all in and begin to image God. They settle for lesser things. But others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times. So some people hear this thing, press in, and their lives become fruitful. They start to have full and abundant lives. You've heard me say that, right? That's my, that's my hope for you, that you have a full and abundant life. That you'll realize what it means to be a part of this story. What a blessing it is to be on this adventure. That he invited you into his story. And that he partners with you as the royal priesthood to make a difference on the planet until he returns. And we have this amazing hope that we look forward to. And we have, you know, the, the idea of, of a resurrected physical body. Which gets better for me every day. You've heard me say it. And, and wow. And, the, and we get to look at creation in, in the way that it was before it was impacted by the fallout of sin and death and all those things. And we get this renewed life. I love, we, we were singing that song today, Revival's in the Air. Everything that lost loves returning. It's all coming back. Everything is stored for you safely in heaven. And don't think of it as a million miles away. It's just out. It's just separated by this veil. But it's all there safe for you where it's safe. And it's all, you, it's all coming back. And, and this is the, the hope that we have. And it changes everything. And it changes the way that we live now so that we begin to experience life. Instead of demanding that God does things our way, we realize that God's going to do things his way, which is a much better way. And we partner with him. And we begin to see him at work. And we begin to see him doing these things, even though it's not the way we would do it. It's better. And our lives become fruitful. And this is the connection that you have to begin to make. That the kingdom is here, Jesus said. It's just different than what you expected, but it's here and it's making a difference. But it's happening over time, as we've experienced. But this parable, this idea unlocks all of them. And when you get a hold of the sort of this underlying idea, the rest of the parables open up. He said then, listen, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. What was the secret of the kingdom of God? Jesus is here. He's inaugurated it. It's here among you. It just looks different than you expect, but don't miss it. To those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they may turn and be forgiven. And then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? That's a really strange thing. I remember reading that a lot of times and think, well, it sort of sounds that they're like he doesn't want people to get it. And it, that's the opposite of what it's saying. What it's saying is, is people will come and have their hearts changed by understanding that the kingdom is now here. Then it all opens up to them. But if they refuse... They'll, they'll never get it. If they, if they can't see the picture for what it is, it won't happen. And he's actually in that parable, again, he's always tying in Isaiah in this. You, you may never have made this connection, but in Isaiah 6, there's this fascinating passage. And a lot of people have heard it in church, the first eight verses, but then they usually stop there. Uh, and they miss 9 and 10, which is connected. But let's say, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Whenever I read this passage, I get excited. There's a lot of songs about what's happening in the throne room. And I, whoo, I see the Lord. Never mind. 
And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. They had wings, and they had feet and faces and hands. I can't wait to see a seraphim. I, I, you know, you probably fall down on your face, but this is cool. And, and they're calling to one another. So they're in the throne room. And, and holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with it. And I think one is saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And the other one is responding, the whole earth is filled with his glory. And they're going back and forth, the seraphim with the wings. And I, I don't have enough things. And at the, at the throne room is, wait, uh, at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. There are things happening around the throne. It's really going to be awesome. And Isaiah's there, and he goes, whoa, to me, I, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this is touch your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for It's a picture of what Jesus was going to do for us. There. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And, and usually that's where it stops in the church and everybody goes, whoo, it's a call to evangelism. And it is. Yes, let's go. But you, if you don't read 9 and 10, you miss something important. He said, this was what he was supposed to go and tell people. Here's the message you're going to tell people, Isaiah. Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. That doesn't sound like a real evangelistic message, does it? (laughs) Listen to me, but you won't understand it. See it, and you won't believe it anyway. Make the heart of this people callous. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their hearts, understand understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. That's what Jesus dragged into the parable. Why? He's saying, listen, people get so closed off to who God is. They get so convinced they can put him in a box and they can figure him out. And that anything outside of that, they reject and they miss God. And he's saying they have to hear what's going on. And Isaiah's like, well, that's a hard message that you're sending me out to. I wish I hadn't signed up now. How long do I got to do that for? <laughs> you ever? Well, here I am. Send me, right? The seraphim got him going. That was a trick. Well, that's a terrible message. Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and their fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will be laid waste. That's a picture of exile. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Hmm. After all this mess, after everything looks like it's never ending, there's something left in the land, right? The holy seed. We've been talking about the seed and the word, and you get all these things, and now there's a stump. And Isaiah explains it a little more in Isaiah 11. And a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit, talking about Jesus. Listen, exile's going to happen. It's going to look like a complete waste. You're going to think you have it all figured out when you don't. But Jesus is going to enter the scene. This is going to happen. I'm going to come. The kingdom's going to come upon you. But if you don't allow it to shape you and change you and and, uh, realize that it's different than what you thought, you're going to miss it altogether. We can talk about it till we're blue in the face, and you won't hear it, and you'll never get it. And that's how when Mark started, he said, listen... 
The time has come. The kingdom of God is here. It's come near. Repent and believe the good news. That word repent, a fascinating word. We'll look more at it next week. It doesn't just mean individually, which of course is important. It means, you know, where you say, okay, I'm not going to, you know, I repent of my sin and all that stuff. But repent means you have to change the way that you're thinking. And what he's telling them in the beginning is to this big group of folks, you've got to quit thinking you've got it all figured out. Change the way you're thinking. What do you need to do? Believe the good news. The kingdom is here. Things can be different. Imaging can happen again. The world can begin to be changed. Things can make a difference. Partner with me. Let's get back to our original vocation, God says. Let's be image bearers. It can all happen now in Christ. See, that's what's going on. And we have to connect with that so that we can experience full and abundant lives, fruitful lives for ourselves and our families and our communities, and we can begin to make a difference in the world around us so that all those lost people, people that are blinded to what really matters, can begin to see that there's a God who loves them and cares for them. You know how they're supposed to see that, right? Through us. That's what they're supposed to see. We're supposed to be reflecting God into the world. They're supposed to see there's a God who loves and cares for them. Crazy loves and cares for them. And it happens in us. Anyway, we're going to dig more into the parables next week. So if you want to get a jump on it, read Luke 15, one of my favorites. There's three great stories in their parables. And uh, with, with some of this understanding, it's going to help us uh, open those right up. Alice, my love, why don't you come and we'll pray. Papa, we are thankful for your love for us. And we're thankful for all that you continually do and that you pursue us and that you love us. And we have gone our own way so many times and we've, we've messed up repeatedly. And yet you love us and you love us and you love us. And now... As believers, you've filled us with your spirit. We're a place where heaven and earth meet. And, and we're partnering with you to make a difference once again in the world. And help us to remember that, that we're, we're to image bearers, God. We're to reflect you into the world around us. And God, we're, we're thankful for your written word as well that you've given to us, God. And, and help us to continue to study it and meditate on it. And realize that, that it holds, the, uh, it's life-giving as your spirit illuminates it to us. And God, continue to have your way in us for your sake and for your glory. Alice. Amen, Father. Let us be a people that press into you on a daily basis. I feel like the Lord wants someone to know that you're not forgotten. And he saw you as a child. He was there when you gave your life to him. You're not invisible. You're not forgotten. And he remembers that commitment that you made to him. And he just wants you to come home. Amen. This amazing journey all starts by knowing Jesus. And the way that we do that is... is, um, (laughs) We, we believe in our hearts. We confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. He's done all the hard work there at the cross uh, and, and, and in the resurrection. And, and we just have to believe in our hearts, confess them out. Jesus, oh, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Is the, the prayer that we offer and that we make. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? If you have never prayed that, do it now. Just, it's that, that's how it starts. Jesus, 
I want you. Be my Lord and Savior. And that changes everything. If you're doing that for the first time, uh, let me know. You can go to the website and there's a New Believer page or uh, a newbeliever.com will get you there as well. And uh, there's lots of information, a little form to fill out. We just want to celebrate with you. Uh, best decision you'll ever make. Thanks again, church, for your amazing generosity and your faithfulness to giving and your offering and your tithe. We appreciate that so much. Let us sing the doxology and uh, we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Looks like it might stop raining, I hope. Have a great day. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you soon. Go out this way. Thanks for watching online. We love you guys. Uh, hope you have a great day. Be blessed. Luke 15 for next week. And um, hang in there. Have a great week, everybody. God bless. Did you like that? Hang in there. I didn't. I didn't. Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> Bye. He's going to have more coffee. <laughs> Bye-bye.